Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering podcast featuring New York sports talk from a long-suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. i got a good show for you guys today. We're in playoff mode here. The NHL and NBA playoffs underway last week. We are going to catch up on both of them in the show today. Our hockey guy, Pete Considori, is coming in the studio a little bit. We're going to talk down the NHL playoffs. There's some big upsets in the making, specifically with the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are up 3-0 on the Tampa Bay Lightning, who won the President's Trophy in runaway fashion this year. So we're going to talk to Pete, catch up on the playoffs, see what's going on, take a look ahead at what's going to happen there. Also going to be rejoined by Tom Bacchino, who, as listeners of this podcast know, hosts his own podcast, the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. He and his partner, Sean Rowe, appeared on the show back in February to do a crossover special. Tom is back today. We're going to talk about the NBA playoffs during the seventh inning stretch. We'll hit the big headlines for the early rounds and look ahead to what's going on there. Make some more predictions as well. Stay tuned to the end of the show for this week's two-minute drill, where I'll talk all about Tiger Woods getting back on the major win column, winning the Masters yesterday. I'm recording this on Monday. So we'll talk all about Tiger, what that means for him and the sport going forward. We get all started this week opening tip. We're going to talk about the New York Mets, the good and the bad. All that coming up right after this. Alonzo drives one deep center field. Forget that. That is way back in the shrubbery. A splashdown for Alonzo. An absolute seed to dead center field for his sixth home run. A two-run shot and... It's hard to believe that there'll be any more impressive than that. That is a big wow for Pete Alonzo. And it's 6-2 to two New York. I mean, he has hit some balls awfully hard this year, but that thing went 450 feet at 118 miles an hour. What a shot. All right, and we are back with this week's opening tip. That call you just heard courtesy of SNY's Gary Cohen describing the Pete Alonzo splashdown bomb on Thursday night in Atlanta. The Mets split a four-game set with the Braves over the weekend. They are now 9-6. and six. It's doing just fine in the very competitive National League East, a half game back of the Philadelphia Phillies entering their series on Monday night. And Mets, you know what? There's signs for optimism here, starting with Pete Alonzo, who, don't forget, the Mets defy the service time wizards who are saying, you know what? You got to hold him down for 10 days to get that extra year of club control through 2025. And the Mets said, you know what? We need a first baseman. He's our best first baseman. The games in April matter just as much as the games in September. So you know what? He's going to come out opening day. If he hits, fantastic. If not, we can send him down when Todd Frazier and Jed Lowry get back and he can play every day in, in AAA. What's happened since then? He comes up. He has an immediate, immediate impact on this roster. I mean, over the first 10 games, Mets' first 11 games, where Alonzo would have been in AAA. He led the team in hitting with, by batting 378, led the team in homers with six, and RBIs at 17. He's made a tremendous impact on this lineup, which is extremely deep. I mean, last week, they scored at least six runs in seven straight games, set a franchise record for that. When's the last time the Mets had a high powered offense like that? I think you can go back to like 2006 when you had the Jose Reyes, David Wright, Carlos Beltran, Carl, Carlos Delgado, Paul Waduka core of the lineup there. This group is not as power-heavy as that group was, but they're deeper. They're getting Cosby from everywhere. J.D. Davis, who a lot of Mets fans were complaining about him getting all the at-bats, he's hitting home runs. He's slugging at third base, and that's nice to have off the team. Keon Broxton, who I have grown to love, by the way. I love Keon Broxton. A good contact hitter, has a lot of speed, and has a little different dimension to this offense. Ahmed Rosario starting to break out. 
coming into his own. People forget that he, including ESPN, by the way. I was listening to the game on Sunday night, and they were saying, oh, you know, he's one of the top prospects on the Mets. They forgot that he was the number one prospect in the sport before he got called up a couple of years ago. He's still only 23 years old. There is this thing, Yahoo likes to call it the post-hype sleeper. I feel like he's in that category this year, and he is starting to break out. That's fun to watch. Michael Gaffordo is hitting. Brandon Nimmo starting to come out of his slump. Wilson Rollins is nothing but hit. Robinson Cano isn't hit yet, but I'm not worried about him because track record says he'll hit. That team is loaded offensively. They will be fine. I'm not worried about them, and they can win a lot of games. They do have some issues. The bullpen's a problem. Outside Edwin Diaz, I don't trust anybody in that unit. Nobody. That's a big issue. And number two, I think might be bigger, Jason Vargas. The fact that he's still on this team and still contributing makes it a huge problem. Jason Vargas last week had a very bad week. Against the Twins, after they skipped his start, when they were down big in the ninth inning, they said, you know what? Vargas, please go pitch the ninth inning for us. Get us out of this game and just finish the game up. Gives up four runs in an inning. Okay, you want to say, you know, he's not used to being a reliever, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Back on turn on Saturday against the Braves. Absolute disaster. Third inning pitched. He got you one out. Four runs, two hits, three walks in 36 pitches. Absolutely obliterated the bullpen. And that is going to kill them in this week because they had to go through the bullpen like crazy on Saturday. Last, on Sunday night, Jacob DeGrom had to, go 20, had to go 114 pitches to get through five innings. So the bullpen got taxed again. Now they go play the Phillies, who are in first place in the division right now in a big early season matchup. Jason Vargas now on the year. His ERA is 14-21. And opponents are hitting 438 against Jason Vargas. Now, that frustrated the Mets. That frustrated Mickey Callaway. Let's hear what Mickey had to say on Saturday after the start. I, he's just not you know, getting outs at this point. I mean, that's that's really all I can say. You know, I think he goes out there and he battles and does the best uh, that he can. Tonight it was a lot of 3-2 counts and his pitch count got up, you know, and it was just he was running out of pitches, you know, and, and the effectiveness wasn't there, so we had to get him out of there. I know it's so early in the season, but given how all-in you guys are this year and what your offense is doing and, and how important, you know, these early games against divisions are, is it – at least a discussion about what his role is moving forward? Well, you know, we, we have to have other options. Um, and our other option came in tonight after him and, you know, threw 89 pitches and three and a third. Okay, that other option he's referencing was Corey Oswalt, who came in relief. And Oswalt, he had a good spring training, threw hard, came in in a tough spot on Saturday against a good, brave lineup out of the bullpen and, you know, didn't have a great outing. I was a little discouraged about that, about the sliding, but I said, okay, you know, maybe, you know, they're not happy with Vargas. They're going to think about their options. Maybe they'll put somebody else in there because they can't afford to keep punting on it every fifth day. So, lo and behold, 24, less than 24 hours later, Mickey Callaway speaks to me again before the Sunday game, and he completely changed his tune on Jason Vargas. Like I said, we have to have him pitching well. Um, you know, um, we, we could have chose to, to keep Oswald here and, and pitched him, but uh, all things being equal, Vargas uh, needs the opportunity to go out there and, and show us what, a, what he can do and get on a roll like he did um, those last 10 starts of the season last year where he was a very, very good pitcher. What, if anything, have you seen from him in his two starts and I guess maybe even the one relief really pattern this year to show you that, you know, 
that he can, there's something he can build on. Yeah, so his, his first start was really good. Okay, let me stop him right there. Jason Vargas' first start was pretty good. Let's go back and look at the tape here. They faced the Miami Marlins, who have one of the worst offenses in baseball. It's Lily Starlin, Castro, and Curtis Granderson, Neil Walker, and a bunch of minor leaguers. That game, he pitched five innings, gave up two runs, put nine men on base in that game. He cannot go deeper than five innings against the Marlins. And the Marlins are one of the worst teams in the league. All of a sudden, you're expecting him to do well against the Braves, the Nationals, the Phillies, every other good team they're going to face? Who are we kidding here? You cannot seriously convince me that you are so all in that you said, you know what, screw Pete Alonso's service time. We want the best guy here. With, you know what, we got to get Jason Vargas going. He's one of our best guys. No, he's not. He hasn't been one of their best guys since he signed here. Last year, he went 7-9 with a 5.77 ERA and a 141 whip in 92 innings pitched. He was worth negative .3 wins above replacement. In other words, the thin air is a better pitcher than Jason Vargas was last year. The second half that Mickey went crazy about saying, oh, he was such a great pitcher. He was 5-3 and three with a 381 ERA and 11 starts. That's not that good. That's barely replacement level. And that's over a much shorter span. The larger tracker says, he's not been good. He's been really, really bad. And the frustrating thing is, there is such a simple solution out there for the Mets' problems. His name is Dallas Keuchel. This guy last year, for the Astros, Grant, he was not as good as he was when he won the Cy Young a couple years back. He still made 34 starts, pitched to over 200 innings, went 12-11 with a 3.74 ERA, and was worth 2.5 wins above replacement in the American League. What seems better? The guy worth two and a half wins above replacement or the guy who loses you a third of a win? It's not that hard. Now, I get he's been sitting on the sidelines because nobody wants to give him a big contract. Now, there are reports out he wants to take a one-year deal relative to the qualifying offer, like the prorate amount that he turned out from the Astros. If I'm the Mets, why not? What do you have to lose here? You, there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal. You sign him, send him to AAA, let him stretch out and get into game shape against the minor leaguers. In the meantime, you fill in with your Corey Oswalt's, with your Chris Flexens. Maybe Seth Lugo starts a game in there somewhere. End of May, early June, he's up and he's contributing for you. But no, we have to get Jason Vargas going. That's the message here that Mickey Kelly wants to send here. This sounds like Terry Collins. Terry back in the day. Oh, you know, we got to get Eric Campbell going in the lineup. He's got to get in there, get his at-bats. This is not how it works when you're a winning team. You cannot have a guy whose upside is five and fly. You need a guy who can give you depth, especially when the bullpen has been as bad as it is. Because now you're putting a ton of pressure on everybody else. You're asking Jacob DeGrom to go seven innings every time he takes the ball. You're asking Syndergaard to go seven innings every time he takes the ball. You're asking Matson Wheeler to get you at least six. All because Jason Vargas is not competent enough to get you five innings in a big league game anymore. The Mets need to move on if they are serious about winning this year. Enough of Jason Vargas. Move on. Please. We are going to move on as well. We're going to talk some hockey with Pete Considori next after this. Heavily cutting for the net. Marcel holds. Backhand shot. He missed. And then Bailey scores. Islanders win. Josh Bailey at 439 of overtime. 
right, we are back on the Just End the Suffering podcast. That call you just heard, Josh Bailey's overtime goal to help the Islanders beat the Pittsburgh Penguins in Game 1, courtesy of NBC Sports and Kenny Albert. Joining right now, the official hockey correspondent of the Just End the Suffering podcast, somebody who is experiencing playoff fever right now, Pete Considori. Pete, welcome. How are you? As a Ranger fan, that clip annoys me. <laughs> as, as a hockey fan, that clip annoys me. Yeah. Because, as we'll probably talk about, I had Pittsburgh winning that series. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm doing well. Always a fun time to talk hockey with you, Mike. And uh, it's it's been an interesting playoff run so yeah. far, to say the least. Oh, yeah, it's been very interesting. I didn't want to pre I figured let's get in here a little bit. Let's get some of these matchups underway. Yeah. we got some interesting stuff to discuss here today. Interesting doesn't even begin to describe <laughs> it. I mean, I, it, it's it's been a wild ride. So, yeah, yeah um, you know, as you said, the playoffs – interesting yes but that clip annoyed me yeah yeah well that was the first thing i pulled when i went to i'm like okay this is the most exciting goal i've seen so far and that was on thursday i was busy so it's a good game it was a good game and the islanders up 3-0 on pittsburgh we'll get to that in a second but i will say even though i'm taking that serious side just the nhl playoffs are just so fun to watch because like you Anything can happen in the NHL playoffs. It's like, I mean, aside from the randomness that is like Mars Madness, I feel like the NHL playoffs is the second best in all sports. Uh, I personally think the Stanley Cup playoffs are the best playoffs of all sports. Yeah. I may be a little biased because, of course, I'm a huge hockey fan, but um, anything can happen in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, you can throw the standings out the window. Uh, obviously, if we look at the playoff uh, brackets. brackets right now, you could you could say throw the standings out the window. Um, all the regular season did was punch your ticket, and now you're in it, and and anyone can win at this point. Um, it's fun to watch hockey playoffs, only because I don't want to say the guys aren't trying during the regular season, but they really try now, and it's it's fun hockey to watch. If you're not a hockey fan, I recommend watching the playoffs to get into the sport because you see how hard these guys play, how talented they are as well. Yeah, I mean, I put it this way. I feel like during the regular season, they're playing at a 10. They're not trying hard, but in the playoffs, they're like a 14 or a 15. They're going up like a, like one, like one 150% energy level. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's 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 always a fun thing to watch. Uh, like I said, to people who have never watched hockey before, watching the playoffs is probably your um, best bet in getting into the sport. And I've been, like, my first ever playoff game for a sport was a Ranger playoff game, and the building jumps like crazy during a playoff game. It is insane, and I recommend if you get a chance to go to one, whether it's, I mean, you saw in Nassau how crazy the fans are going during the Islander games. You see, you see how the Rangers are do. You see what the Devils do, and you see some of these traditional hockey rabbit fan bases like Boston, Toronto. Like they get fired up when the playoffs are rolling around. Yeah, the venue definitely has a big impact. But but all of the fans, all the hockey fans yeah. are great. Yeah. I mean, you know, you get those one or two that go to social media and and they ruin it for the rest of us. But um, for the most part, hockey fans are, are, are the best, and they they, uh, they 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 know how to make the players know, hey, we're here, we're supporting you. Um, it's it's a great atmosphere, especially when you go like to the Garden, or I'm sure in Toronto, or in Boston, or in Jersey, Nassau Coliseum, you can hear it over the the broadcast. So it's definitely definitely an atmosphere that's like no other. Yeah, let's start with the Islanders, who they are going to destroy my preseason Stanley Cup pick because I had the Penguins in the final. You know, a lot of them destroyed <laughs> my my bracket. But the Islanders on paper have shown that they could do well, and now they've shown they could do well in the playoffs. I always said never count out Pittsburgh, and now I look like an idiot because I was like, oh, yeah, it's Pittsburgh. You got Kessel, you got Malkin, you got Crosby. 
the Islanders just pretty much said, no, it's our time. And they and they probably, you know, if I were to say something, I can I can see them completing the sweep tonight. Yeah. I, I really can. Um, Crosby's been nothing. I don't think he has one goal the entire series. Granted, it's only been three games, but they've they've stifled him. Uh, Kessel's been doing well. Malkin is being Malkin. I, it, the other thing, too, Chris Letang... Can I just go on a little tangent? How is he up for a Norris Trophy? Sure, go for it. I, I mean, I like Chris Letang, but but Victor Hedman, Mark Giordano, they're all in the the running too. But where where you come up with Chris Letang? I, I don't personally think defensively he's been there. And and you can look at Brent Burns, who's also in the running. Which okay, like he's his plus minus isn't the greatest, but he does have a lot of points. Maybe they looked at that with Chris Letang, but like. Look at the playoffs. What's the, he's going to be a anyway? Yeah. But so the Islanders three zero, like you just said, they're playing phenomenally. Robin Leonard has been a brick wall. Uh, Barzal, all all of them. See, see, the key is with the the playoffs. Every player needs to contribute something. It can't be like last year when it was Taylor Hall and the Devils, where Taylor Hall was doing most most of the brunt. You know, of the work, brunt of the work. You need everyone to contribute, and the Islanders is a perfect example of a team that's doing that. Um, and then, as we move on, I'll talk about more teams that are doing it. But a, a phenomenal run for the Islanders. Uh, I think the venue has a lot to do with it. I wonder how they do in Barclays in the second round because, let's be honest, they're probably being Pittsburgh unless Pittsburgh goes on a tear for four games. Um, but, yeah, just wow, what a phenomenal run for them. Yeah, a lot of, all the credit, I feel like, goes to Barry Trotz because he came in. Nobody thought they'd be any good after Tavares left. He got them all to buy in, and like they, like you said, they've, That's it. they've crushed Crosby. They've been the, one of the best defensive teams in the league just all like year you, long. Just like you said, once the players buy into a system or to, or to a theme or to a message that the coach is preaching, uh, there's there's really no getting around that. They're, they're playing hard. They're all moving their feet. I don't think I've seen one play where the Islanders weren't moving their feet and they were just waiting around for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I, they, they're really pressuring them hard. I don't think they win the cup this year, but they probably make it deep. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's stick on their side of the bracket for a minute. And the I believe it's the because they do that weird thing now where they have is just the division playoffs first, correct? Um, well, it's, it's not. Ba- as, it's, it's basically it's like not the, necessarily because because you have Tampa Bay playing Columbus and that's not in the same division. It's that's the wild card. Um, but the brunt of it is like your three the, teams from one. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. It's it's the divisional round, I guess yeah. you could say. We we call it first round, second round, yeah. conference finals, Stanley Cup finals. So yeah, yeah so like the, that that second round, like they're going to end up facing the winner of this uh, Washington Carolina series. So right now, Washington won the first two games. Carolina wins last night and their home. I got. I believe the first home playoff game in, what, like six, seven years? Um, like that. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not sure. I don't want to say anything wrong, but if you say it, I believe you. Yeah, it's, like, uh, it's, been, it's, you, been, it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a minute. Listen, I, I don't think the Capitals have anything to worry about. Yeah. I think Capitals on paper and on the ice are a better team than the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Svechnikov is, is, had, was knocked out by Ovi yeah. uh, Ovechkin the last game. We don't know if he's coming back. He had to go through concussion protocol. He had to be brought to the hospital because he got knocked out cold. Um, so that's a definitely a huge loss in – in um that series in that series for offensive purposes um of course you have sebastian Ajo, you have uh, the blue line like justin falk and, and brem pesci and all them but I, I personally think that the hurricanes may get another win on the capitals but the capitals are way too skilled and way too um stubborn to just just kind of turtle and 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 lose this so i i think maybe the hurricanes win another one at home at some point, but I, I think the Capitals still have it locked up. I think the Capitals have been playing better hockey. Um, not to discredit the Carolina Hurricanes at all. I mean, they've been playing phenomenally too. But you're playing against the the Stanley Cup champions right now. Yeah. I mean, they're they're the last ones to do it, and they're looking for that that uh, repeat. So, 
Brenda Moore has been a great coach. You know, he should be up for the Jack Adams, uh, meaning I mean, he should win it, obviously. But it, it's it's a good story for the Hurricanes. I just I just don't see them winning this round. I also think it was pretty. Um, I don't know if they're doing it out of respect for the other teams, but they got rid of the storm surge yeah. for the playoffs. Um, I, I think that would be cool for the playoffs. I feel like you would get even more people like doing the skull clap and all, all that stuff. So, long story short, uh, you know, Capitals I think are still going to win, probably in six. Okay, so let's let's put the Capitals through for me. Let's put them. Let's say I play the Islanders next round. What percentage chance do you give the Islanders to get through that series? <sighs> the way that they're playing right now, I don't know if I could pick the Capitals. But here's the thing that's going to make me say capitals they're playing at barclays in the second round they're not playing in nassau coliseum you don't have that fan base now our fans are going to go to the barclays center of course the but build- it's not going to be the barn that nassau coliseum is i mean you're, you're going into the city you're going into brooklyn uh borough i guess you could say instead of the city but it i think the dynamic is going to change yeah. I, I, a little bit i don't think that the 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 islanders are going to play any less hard but also too You've played hard. You swept the Pittsburgh Penguins. Are you a little high on yourself? Even if you don't sweep them, maybe you beat them in five games. Let's say six. You still beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. This is usually the standard to beat to get the Stanley Cup. Because look at the Capitals. They had to beat Pittsburgh Penguins before they can even get to the, the conference final. And that was like their Achilles heel. They could never get past the Pittsburgh Penguins. They finally did. And what did they do? They beat the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, they beat Tampa. And then they beat the Vegas Golden Knights to get that Stanley Cup. I don't want to sleep on Washington on that. But it's going to be damn close. It really, it really is. I still pick the Capitals coming out only because of the experience of the group that the Capitals have now. I know the Islanders won four in a row. I know the Islanders have won the Stanley Cup before, but this group has not. Okay. So I think maybe the the um, discipline and the skill that the Capitals have to win the Stanley Cup is carrying over, which it looks like it is. I think with the change of venue and that stat alone, I think that the Capitals still win. Okay, so that that's something interesting to watch with them going forward. Let's go on to the other half of the East bracket with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Who the last time you were here, you had some interesting stuff to say about the Blue Jackets. We came on right after the trade deadline. Here's what Pete had to say back then. Columbus Blue Jacket fans, if I were you, I would be terrified. <laughs> what happens if you don't win this year? You lose Panarin, you lose Bobrovsky, unless by some miracle Panarin goes. Yeah, I'm going to stay. Yeah. But guess what? Duchesne's contract is up. I think DeZingle's contract is up also. Yeah. He's going to be a free agent. Those two rentals, what do you what, what exactly is going through the mind of this GM? Is he trying to show Columbus, hey, we're going to try to win this year? But does he see who's in the East? Does he see <laughs> who's in the East? You have the Toronto Maple Leafs. You have the Tampa Bay Lightning. You have the Boston Bruins. Let's go to your division. You have the Washington Capitals. You have the Pittsburgh Penguins. You have the New York Islanders, who have been on fire lately. You have the Carolina Hurricanes, who, eh, you can beat. Where are you going? You're not You're not <laughs> winning the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. You're not winning the Stanley Cup. So- First of all, Hats off for nailing the entire East playoff field in mid-February. That was impressive. Thanks. And <laughs> as we fast forward today, the Columbus Blue Jackets are up 3-0 on the Tampa Bay Lightning, who won the President Trophy running away. What the hell's going on out here? <laughs> that was good. I didn't know that was coming. Uh, um, I'm, I'm going to stick with what I said. Blue Jacket fans, if I were you, I would be terrified. <laughs> 
Double you know, down. <laughs> you know why? Because Tampa Bay is not playing like they did when they won the President's Trophy. They're not. They're frustrated. Kucherov gets a suspension. Kucherov. Let's talk about that. Nikita Kucherov, the guy that's got over 120 points, has a suspension for boarding, which... You know, Kucherov, you didn't have to go to the guy, go to the puck. That was that was that was a. I think that wasn't correct. Suspension worthy, yes, because the head, whatever. But you didn't have to do that. That's pure frustration. Let's say they sweep Tampa. Let's say they win in five games, six games. Who are they going to play? Either the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Boston Bruins. Like I said, where are you going? <laughs> You're gonna you're gonna beat the Patrice Bergeron, Bergeron uh, Marchand, and Pasternak line. Tuukka Rask has been on fire. Let's look at Toronto. Toronto, their defense could use a lot of work, but Freddie Anderson's been standing on his head. Austin Matthews finally scored in the playoffs this year, um, so now his confidence is probably going up. They lost Nazem Kadri to uh, suspension. We'll talk about that later. But still, you have to win the cup this year. For the GM to look like he knew what he was doing, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't mean any disrespect by the organization of the Columbus Blue Jackets. I don't mean any disrespect to their GM. But if they don't win the Stanley Cup this year, what was it all for? Oh, we won the Eastern Conference Final. Oh, we won the second round. That's what it was for. But we lost all these guys. I still stand behind this. They are playing phenomenally, just like the Islanders are. But let's say they get to the Conference Final. Who are they facing? The Capitals. The, the reigning Stanley Cup champions or the New York Islanders? Uh, I, I'm sorry. Do you do you now? Now let's say you pass them by some miracle. We're going over to the West. Colorado Avalanche are showing some promise. Vegas. Vegas. The Sharks, if they can make it out of this funk. I, did I miss something? So I'm sticking by that. Yes, I look pretty stupid <laughs> with that rant and seeing that they're going up 3-0 in Tampa Bay, but Tampa Bay is not playing like they did in the regular season, and it's the and it's the President's Trophy slump. There's a stat that's about, I think there's only about five or six teams that won the Stanley Cup the same year they won the President's Trophy. Yeah, And they also won the, they tied for most amount of wins in the regular season with 62. Could you imagine that? You only lost 20 games, Yeah, and now you're expected to win another 16 more? That's the it, NHL playoffs for you. I Look, I'm going to be the first person to say I put Tampa Bay as the Stanley Cup winner this year for the bracket. I was very conservative with my bracket, and I said, let me just go by what team looks better. And I did that. And it's starting to prove that I'm wrong. Yeah. I have Winnipeg going. I have the Predators going. I have... Um, you know, I have the sh- the Knights going against the Sharks, even though my original pick was the Sharks and the... Uh, I believe it was Sharks-Toronto for the, for the yes. Stanley Cup... Yeah. Uh, finals. I have the Vegas Golden Knights because they've been doing better as of late. They're not playing the way they were. Don't think they're getting far. My bracket is completely busted now because those were my Stanley Cup final champions. Um, but again, if they're not playing like if they were playing like they were, I don't think Columbus has this kind of success. Again, not to take it away from Columbus, but uh, you know. Don't get too high on this win, this series win if you win at Columbus. Remember that you have a lot of big boys to get through. The Blue Jackets are not going to be friends of this podcast anytime soon. <laughs> uh, listen, I look, like I said, I love the story of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Again, I have no disrespect for them. I have I, I understand where the GM's coming from. I, I just as a fan, I would it, it would bother me that my GM did all of that to lose in the second, even the Western Conference, like it, like even last year. Or the year before that, whenever uh, 
the Predators lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins the year before that. Yeah. They they raised a Western Conference champion banner. They would want a Stanley Cup final banner. Yeah. They don't want a Western Con. Like yes, it's a great thing. You did a, did an amazing job, but like the end. If you're gonna lose all these guys, you really didn't think about the the caliber. I mean, you came in as a wild card. You didn't even come in as a top team. You came in as a wild card, and you might lose a bunch of these core people that got you to that wild card. So, okay. um, you know, look, I, if they beat Tampa, which is a very possibility, I'll be rooting for them all the way. But, it, it, you know, it, they have so much to get through, so much to get through before even thinking about the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, they have a lot to get through, including the next series. They're gonna have to deal with the winner of that Boston Toronto series, like you mentioned. Right now, I believe that's what to two. They're heading into Game Three tonight. Game Four, I don't remember exactly where. Uh, that game is. Three was last night. Toronto beat the uh, Bruins three to two. Fantastic game. Um, do you want to go yeah. into the Toronto? Yeah, let's uh, go. Let's go there for a minute. Who do you think is gonna come out of that series? That's a very evenly matchup, but I picked the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I just like how they've been playing. I really like how Mitch Marner has been playing. Um, Austin Matthews, I, I said this before to one of my friends that watches hockey uh, a lot, just like me. I said, if Austin Matthews doesn't start producing, they're going to have a hard time. He finally did get a goal last night. Um, Mitch Marner, though, has to be the the top game changer for them. Uh, I think if Mitch Marner was not playing as good as he did, yesterday he had two block shots at the end of the game to really save that 3-2 lead while the net was empty for the Boston Bruins. Um, if he wasn't playing like this, I don't think that they go up two games to one. Um, so Freddie Anderson's great. Uh, Nazem Kadri gets suspended for cross-checking Jake DeBrusque in the face. Um I think the refs let that game go a little too far. I think they kind of lost control a little bit. Jake DeBrus hit a hit, put a hit on Patrick Marlowe into the into the corner glass. So where the glass meets the the bench, they have curved glass now. Um, I believe it's because Chara hit someone into the straight glass at one point, which is kind of ironic because he's on the Bruins. But that happened. There was no call. Nazem Kadri comes in, does a cross check to the face. No excuse for that. You don't do that. I don't care what happens to you. I understand you want to defend your, your players. Cross-check to the face is a little extreme. You, you don't go for that. You want to cross-check them in the chest, the shoulder, let them know you're there and say, hey, what are you doing? Even if you drop the gloves and fight the guy, uh, I think that's a better option. So he gets suspended. And the cool, I don't want to say cool, but the interesting thing about his suspension is he's suspended for the rest of the first round. It's not a number of games. So it's not like you've been suspended seven games no matter how many rounds you go or whatever. He's suspended for as long as they play the Boston Bruins. So if that game goes, if that series goes seven games, he does, he sits for the last five, which he sat for his first game for game three. If it only goes to five games, then he only sits for three. So I, I don't know how I like that call because I was listening to a guy named Steve Dangle on um, YouTube. He's a... Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs guy, and he's saying, like, does it set the precedent that now you don't have a certain amount of games for that? So then when you call in the regular season, what are they, what, how many games really is combined with a cross check to the face? But um, the loss of Nazem Kadri brings in Tyler Ennis into the lineup. He worked well. Um, so I think Toronto's going to win. I'm hoping because I picked them. Um, <laughs> and uh, it, it could go either way. Boston's yeah. such a dangerous team, too. Um, it's all going to come down to in the Stanley Cup finals and playoffs is who, which team stays healthy. Uh, you you see at the end of like series, people 
tweet out like, oh, our guy had a broken foot that entire series, but we lost, so we're going to tell you about it. You know, So I think whoever is going to stay healthy in that Boston-Toronto series and stays healthy and performing the longest is, is going to be the winner. I'm going to pick Toronto because I think Toronto has something to prove losing last year in Game 7 um, against the Boston Bruins. So, Toronto. Puck loose on the wing. Paul Stassi bearing down on Brett Burns. Here's Stone. And Marks is over. Rich shot on the save. Jones. Rebound score! Unbelievable! Mark Stone! His fifth goal of the playoffs! It's 5-1! to Pressure by Stassi creates the turnover. Brett Burns is going to give it away. And another early goal. This is Mark Stone. You go to the net, you stop. Good things happen. Puck comes down, and he backhands it in. His second of the game, his fifth of the playoffs, 5-1 Vegas. Let's go out west for a little bit. Let's go to the start off with this Nashville-Dallas series. So, interesting series so far, I will say. That has, be, that has to be the most interesting series, I think, in the West. Now, the reason why I say that is because the Predators should not be having this much difficulty with the Dallas Stars. Uh, not to downplay the Dallas Stars. Our boy Zuccarello. Zuccarello came back from his injury to play. He's on fire. I mean, he's contributing a lot. He's he's one of the reasons why they scored a couple, I think, last night or even one. Yeah, I saw somebody on Twitter said that Zuccarello, always a true ranger, trying to get us that extra first-round pick. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, he's He knows what he's doing. So... It, like, you know what's funny about the Predators? We didn't really talk about them a lot during the regular season. Like, I feel like they weren't a topic of interest. It was always just, like, known, like, yeah, the Predators are getting in. You know, it was never like, oh, the Predators could not. It was always the Predators are getting in at a top spot, west, whatever, and they're going to go. And they, they were the top of the central, I believe. And, or, were they? Yeah. Yeah, they were right there. Yeah, top of the central. And they're playing the wild card Dallas team. And, and Dallas is showing them up. I mean, they really are. I mean, I know that it's 2-1 Preds, but... The scores have not been like they're close games. They're very close. They're only one goal games. Um, I think Miro Heiskanen from Dallas has been great for their blue line. I think Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben finally woke up a little bit, and I think they're really playing hard. Radulov's always a key player. Zuccarello trying to get us that extra first round pick. Uh, that's the way we like to see it. Um, it's kind of weird seeing him in green, though. I'm going to yeah. be honest. Um, the Predators just don't look like the Predators that went to the Stanley Cup Finals a couple of years ago against the Penguins. They really don't, and that concerns me. And I picked the Predators to win, um, but I think I'm going to be wrong. I, I like Dallas. I like the way they're playing. I like the way that they they are, are playing as a team, and like I said, everyone's contributing. Um, the Predators seem like they're kind of falling off a little bit. Yes, they're up in the Series 2-1. I just I, I can't see them going past even the second round now. There goes the rest of my Stanley Cup prediction in the preseason. I took the Predators uh, to win. I mean, it's it, – where's Mary? Can we get her <laughs> on the line or something? Because I feel like she's the only one that had any sense about any of this. And uh. Yeah, Mary was a little, Mary was too busy to do this time around, but we'll, we'll try to get her back in the future. Let's go on to another Western Conference series here. Let's go to actually Mary's team. Let's go to the Flames and the Avalanche, that series. Mary Sleeper, Calgary, in a dogfight with the Avalanche, who are one of the hottest teams in the league right now, so – Interesting. Another interesting one out there. You ready for this segue? Sure. Calgary's a sleeper. They better wake up. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sorry if if they don't. If Johnny Goudreau doesn't do something. If if Mike Smith. I mean, Mike Smith's been playing great. Um, but goaltending has been a little bit of an issue for them. Their blue line has been phenomenal. Absolutely great. James Neal, where, where have you been this season? Where where have you been? You were you were so good for Vegas last year, and now all of a sudden you. you 
what happened? Uh, you know, you, you had a rough season. You got a couple teeth knocked out, too, which is terrible. I wouldn't wish that upon anyone. But, like, wake up. Wake up, Calgary. Come on. You're the better team. You're the top of the Pacific. You're losing against the Colorado Avalanche. They were in last place two years ago. They are hot. Grubauer's been playing phenomenal for them. McKinnon, lightning fast. I mean fast. Uh, Gabe Langdiscock, uh Kale Maker or McCarr, I can't McCarr, say. His, I think McCarr. Just literally just signed his deal yesterday or two days ago, played with the Avalanche, and scored his first NHL goal in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. He is a rookie. He just won the Hobie Baker Award, which is the best in college hockey. A true Chris it, Kreider story. It's oh man, like the Colorado Avalanche really surprised me. But if you're Calgary right now, you have to be taking a step back and going, okay, what are we doing wrong? Because there should be no problem. Like I feel like everyone is too high on themselves a little bit. Tampa Bay, they were up three nothing the first game, and they probably just went, we got this in the bag. And all of a sudden, the Blue Jacks are like, nope, and smacked them, and then they were gone. And then now that now they're dealing with a they're they're in a hole three games to nothing. Same thing with Calgary. Uh, I believe the series is what? 2-1 uh, Avalanche? Yes. Yeah, 2-1 Avalanche. You're in a hole now. You are one game behind them, and you are playing the second game in Avalanche's, uh, the Avalanche Arena in their barn. So now what are you going to go down? 3-1 going back to Calgary and then have to play a 1-1? One one? you got to wake up. You need this win in Colorado. If you don't get this win in Colorado, it is very, very hard to come back from that hole, in my opinion. And I think that... It's not only a Mike Smith problem. I think it's the team as a whole. I don't know what it is, um, but something needs to change if Calgary wants to make it through. I, I had Calgary moving on. Um, but, again, it's one of those things where it could be either or. Yeah, Avalanche won 6-2 last night in Colorado, so that they got 2-1 there. Another team up 2-1 out west. The well, You said the Avalanche are hot. How about the St. Louis Blues? Man, they've been on fire forever, and right now they are taking the Winnipeg Jets up 2-1, hosting Game 4 tonight at 9.30, recording on Tuesday. So do you think how long did the Blues keep this run going? You know, I, I, I can see them being the Winnipeg Jets. This is, like I said in the beginning of this podcast, this is the year of standings going out the window. Yeah. Um, the Blues came into this, season, this play, uh, postseason very, very hot, and they are continuing. Bennington has been a brick wall he has been the best goaltender I've seen this playoff run for all of the uh, the goaltenders. Unless Winnipeg really jump starts their offense, I, I can't I can't see much happening with Winnipeg past the first round. Unfortunately, um, when you go by stats, I picked the Jets. Like I said, I was very conservative, and I said the Jets are the better team than the St. Louis Blues. But I I have to hand to the St. Louis Blues. I can see them being the Jets um, and 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 moving on and, and possibly beating the second round team. Um, that second round team could be uh, what is it, Vegas? I think the Vegas. Uh, I think they're Vegas San Jose side. Oh, they're on Vegas San Jose side. So I, I, I'll, let me double check that. You you can go around. I'll keep. Yeah, up. yeah. So so I could see them beating you know even a Calgary at this point. If let's say the Calgary Flames get through the Avalanche, you know it it, it could very well be. Um, I, you know I think the Dallas Stars on the on the the Vegas Golden Knights side. Yeah, I'm checking that out right now. Yeah, please, because I'm 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 like jumbling everything now. This I'm, bracket is too confusing now because yeah, we got people are, that are winning that are not supposed to be winning. And yeah, yeah, you're you were correct. It is they are on the Nashville Dallas side. They get that that matchup second round. Right. So so if they're on the Nashville Dallas side, then then look, the St. Louis Blues have been phenomenal, and I 
I can't put my finger on it. I mean, obviously, you could look at at their 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 scoring. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly has been phenomenal too. They're they're they're. I like I love Alex Petrangelo. I think he's a great defenseman. But I think Bennington's keeping them in the, that series, and I think if he keeps playing like that, it's going to be a Matt Murray story, and and they may go all the way. I I really feel that way. I have a couple people that I've seen on the NHL Network side and, and analysis and stuff that I've seen having the Blues going all the way and, and playing for the Stanley Cup Finals. So um, kudos to the Blues. If this was a preview, I would be telling you Winnipeg all the way, but. Patrick Line hasn't really been producing. Um, he had a couple. I think he had one, two goals this 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 playoff run. So it's tough, man. It's tough. Uh, it really it really puts the it puts the the cherry on top of hey, anything can happen in these playoffs. Yeah, anything can happen. Let's go to the last series, the first round here. Let's go to that Sharks Vegas Golden Knights series. Vegas is up two to one. Last year, last year, went from the expansion team, went all the way to the Cup final, lost to the uh, Washington Capitals out there. So. Do you think Vegas has enough in the tank to get back there? Oh, I I think Vegas is huge this year. I I think, you know, I had the Sharks going all the way. The Sharks really disappointed me in the last 20 games of their season. Um, Not having Eric Carlson didn't help from the All-Star break pretty much, not having him that whole thing. Um, He looks like he's fine. I believe it was a groin injury, and I think he's doing fine. He's skating pretty hard, stopping on a dime. So I think he's doing fine. But the Vegas Golden Knights, let's just – let's. Let's think about who's on the Vegas Golden Knights. You still have most of the decor from last year, Theodore, England, Schmidt. Um, and now you look at what they've added in the front end. Pacioretty, Stone, Statsny from last year. And then you have William Carlson, Alex Tuck, Nosek. All these all these people, I think, is Nosek? Well, anyway, scratch Nosek. But all those people that I just said, how, how can you not like the Vegas Golden Knights? I mean, Max Pacioretty has been in Montreal his whole career. He comes and finds this new identity in Vegas, and I think he's playing better than he did in, in Montreal. Maybe it's a change, change of scenery thing. Stone has been playing awesome. He just got his first career NHL hat trick, his first career one. Now, he's only 26 years old, but he gets a hat trick in the playoffs against the San Jose Sharks. San Jose Sharks have Brett Burns. Eric Carlson, uh, Vlasic, three top, I think, top three D-men in the league, if you want to make that argument. Maybe not Vlasic, but at least Brent Burns and and Eric Carlson, and he got a hat trick. Now, again, goaltending is a problem. Martin Jones has not been the most consistent thing in the world, but you can't can't count the Vegas Golden Knights out. I don't care if they were an expansion team last year. You still have a lot of people on that team that are still there, have a chip on their shoulder saying, hey, you got rid of me, but I'm still going to win in the inaugural years of this franchise. Um, It seems to me that Vegas will win. I picked Vegas over the Sharks, which busts my predictions from the preseason, but I, I think Vegas can really go far. I think they can as well. Let's let's make a quick prediction here, just for we'll give you a we'll give you a reset here. Well, let's just throw the bracket out because the bracket was not going very. I well. like this. Yeah. I like this podcast. Yeah, so we'll throw out Pete's bracket. We'll it didn't happen. Yeah. Don't listen to the other ones, folks. Yeah, ignore yeah ignore that bracket. So let's pick pick today. Who is in the Stanley Cup final right now, in your opinion? If we're going by how each team is playing, yes, I personally think. Huh? <laughs> can we do conference final? Sure. So. If I were to pick who's playing, uh, I'm going to give you two picks. Okay. The first pick's my Stanley Cup final. Toronto, Vegas. That That's what I think. But if we're going to go east side, 
who's playing the best, Islanders versus Columbus, and the Islanders make it into the Stanley Cup final. If we go by the West, Avalanche Blues, Blues. and the Blues get into the mm-hmm. Stanley Cup final, we have Islanders versus Blues. Now, that's what, how they're playing now. If that changes, which it could because you never know what's going to happen in the Stanley Cup Finals, it does. But I like the Toronto Maple Leafs this year. I like the Vegas Golden Knights um, this year after seeing the season. I'll be honest, after seeing the seasons they've had, and I think they make it. But if you want to go by playing, Islanders Blues. All right, that sounds good. Pete, we'll definitely have you back on later on in the playoffs once we have a little bit more clarity on this going on in this picture. Because the thing is, as you said, everything is up in the air right now. So so much confusion. Yeah. I, I, I've never seen it before, but that's the beauty of playoff hockey. You never know what's going to happen, and they play so well. Yeah, before you go, let's touch on the locals for a minute here. We had Last week, we had the draft lottery. Against all odds, the Devils are number one again because Taylor Hall is a lottery magnet, and the Rangers ended up at two. So, yes, so, that was surprising. Yeah. Every year the Rangers get a first-round pick high. It's usually like six or seven, Yeah, usually. Uh, we come out with the second overall pick. I cannot tell you how happy yeah. I was when I found that out. I yeah. was at Rudy's Bar on Central Avenue at Trivia Night, yeah. and I found it, and I literally stood up and screamed. I think everyone <laughs> thought I was weird. Um, it is so key Let's talk about the Devils first, actually, for the Rangers, before the Rangers. Yeah. The Devils have gotten so lucky with this that they are going to have, if the draft goes the way everyone thinks it is, Taylor Hall, Nico Heischer, Jack Hughes. Wow. Taylor Hall lottery magnet. Is it, is wow. It is, <laughs> it is nuts to yeah. think that all three of them are going to be on the team. Now, if Hughes is ready for the NHL or not, I don't know. I mean, it seems like he is. But wow, I I mean, make the Triple H shirts now, yeah. right? Uh, Hall, Hughes, and Heeshear. So, yeah. um, it, it, the future is bright for the Devils. I think if they can draft a couple more good defensemen, maybe a solid goaltender. No, not to be rude to Schneider <laughs> or or Mackenzie Blackwood, but if they can get some goaltending in a, in a little bit better blue line, they they're they're gonna be a force to be reckoned with in the upcoming seasons. Yeah, they really are. Now to the New York Rangers, if you don't mind. Sure. This second overall pick is so key to our rebuild. It is. You get that premier skill, skill it, talent it's player. It's right. It's not like, and it's nothing against people that go. I mean, Johnny Goudreau was like a fourth round pick, and he's amazing. But you have a second overall pick. As long as this guy's not a bust, knock on wood, you have a top goal scorer coming into your team. I believe it's Capo Caco, right? Right. If everything yeah. goes right, yeah. they may do a switch like Nolan Patrick and, and Nico Hishier did, and we may get Jack Hughes, which, yeah. honestly, I'll take either or. I, I think yeah. whatever. But he comes in. We have a bunch of picks. We just signed Vitaly Kratsov to a contract. We just signed Igor Shesterkin, the, uh I hope I'm saying that right, Shesterkin, um, to a goaltending contract. So they're going to be coming back over. Even if they're playing in the Wolfpack, we have the, we have the option to bring them up. It looks very good for the New York Rangers. If we can get Zuccarello back, which would be key. If we can get Panarin, Panarin, which, <laughs> if we get Panarin, lights out. That's a game's <laughs> over. Where where New York Rangers are? I'm calling it winning a Stanley Cup the next four years. But if we can get if we can get the if we can get Panarin, these guys playing to the level that they need to be. I'm I'm super excited as you can tell. I am yeah. really really excited for the future of the New York Rangers. The only thing I have to say is that our defense needs to play 
10 times better. Shattenkirk needs to wake up. Mark Stahl, great defensively. He, he's got to be better with decision-making. I'm sorry. And then the young kids need to start working on it. I think John Gilmore has to come up from the, the Wolf Pack to be in our blue line. I like John Gilmore a lot. I think he needs more reps in the NHL. I like Neil Pionk. Okay. Um, D'Angelo had a great year. I, I love D'Angelo. I really do. I think D'Angelo needs to stay. Get these guys these minutes. Get them ready. We're not winning the Stanley Cup next year. But if we can get these guys going, even Brett Howden, Philip Heedle, Leos Anderson, with these other guys coming up, I, I'm excited. I, re, I really am. I think we're going to have a good team for a long time if, if our cards are played right. Yeah, as I wrote on the blog this week, we're going to have a hockey renaissance coming to this area. Oh, by the way, if you haven't read that article by Mike, please go check it out. Um, it's on the, it's on the same blog that this this yes. airs on, right? Yeah. Um, New York Renaissance, uh, tri-state area, if you will. If the Islanders stay on track, like you were saying, with the New York Rangers and and, and the New Jersey Devils, that three-way kind of hockey triangle that they're going to create for the division, it's gonna it's gonna be nuts. You may have the Metropolitan top Metropolitan be all New York and New Jersey teams uh, for the next couple of years. Well, not next, but in a couple of years, maybe for for a long time. It it you you were one hundred percent right. It is a renaissance. It is just it. Coming from nothing into something. Like, it's just it's amazing. It's amazing, and I'm very excited. Yeah, like, when Tavares left last summer, that was the really the end of the old era of these three teams, and now they're and all, I think all that was the I think that was the push they needed. Yeah. I really do. I think that they rallied around that there was no Tavares. Hey, we're better than you. We don't need you. Yeah. And I think that's what Barry Trotz probably preached in the locker room every day. We don't need Tavares. And, you know, I, his return to the Nassau Coliseum, I'm going to be honest, I don't like how the Islander fans reacted to that. Um, this guy gave you, what was it, nine years? Nine years of, of losing. Really, really trying hard, but you guys kept losing. And he stayed with it. He stayed with it. Everyone tells me it's the way he did it, whatever. It's a business. He has the right to choose whichever team he wants. He may have thought he was staying with the Islanders, and then Toronto came with this huge deal, and it's his, it's his hometown. Um, the that guy doesn't deserve to get booed. He really, he really doesn't. He doesn't get to deserve to get his jersey thrown at him and snakes thrown on the ice while he's on there. And you know, if you want to, if you want to boom while he's playing the game, fine. But don't boom during the video tribute. I mean, I, I, I don't, I didn't like that at all. Uh, I may get a lot of Islander fans upset with that, but um, you know, I didn't like how they they reacted to his return. Um, but wow, again, back to the Islanders doing doing well. They've been doing well. Yeah. All right, Pete, thanks for all the time. Before we let you go, including all our Islander fan friends who listen to this podcast, how to follow you on social media. Yeah, so they can, so they can block me. <laughs> By the way, before we go, just as a little breaking news this Tuesday sure. night, um, Tom McClellan, the the uh, old Oilers coach, just got hired by the L.A. Kings. Um, so he will be the – it will be a multi-year contract um, – and he'll be the head coach there. And also Elaine Vigneault found a home in Philadelphia. Um, the Philadelphia Flyers will have him as the head coach as well. So a little bit of that, breaking uh, news. Elaine Vigneault wasn't breaking. That was yesterday. McClellan. But today, McClellan. Tom McClellan over to Los Angeles. Uh, a little bit of a Gretzky move, you know, Oilers to the LA yeah. Kings. Um, but, yeah, so if you want to follow me, block me, tweet at me, be angry with me, at PJConsidori29, that's C-O-N-S-A-D-O-R-I-29, um, on Twitter. And, uh, you know, I think I'm a pretty good follow, like I say, every uh, every podcast. But, wow, this bracket messed me up, man. Yeah. It really did. Yeah. Also, one thing before we before we go on Vigneault, now you just got me thinking the potential, like, odd couple comedy have, we could have here in Philadelphia with Vigneault meeting Gritty. 
I mean, come on. That's that's you're not wrong. <laughs> can I say Gritty is out of his mind? Can we yeah. can we just put that out there? Yeah. Gritty is out of his mind. Yes. I I, I love that mascot to yeah. death. I I really do. The way that they've they've marketed him and the way that they they have used him during games, after games, on the ice. I I think it's phenomenal. Kudos to the Philadelphia Flyers for that. That was amazing. Yeah, I, I follow Gritty on Twitter now. That was I recommended me. Yeah. <laughs> he's got more followers than me. So and me. <laughs> Listen, he's doing something right. All right, that was Pete Considori on the NHL playoffs. Up next, this week's seventh inning stretch, we're going to talk all about the NBA playoffs with Tom Bacchino from the Sorry to Interrupt podcast right after this. All right, we are back on the Just End of Suffering podcast for this week's seventh inning stretch. We are going to do seven topics about the NBA playoffs this week. Joining me is the guy who helped educate me on the NBA back during our crossover podcast in February, Tom Bikino from the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. Tom is with us on the line today. Tom, how are you doing? What's going on, Mike? How are you, my friend? Doing good. Just to clarify, you're the CEO or the COO of your podcast. I always forget. Hey, don't don't ever mistake that again. I am CEO. Sean is COO, and that will never change. I am running the show. Okay, so you are the show, so I'm happy I got you here to talk about the NBA playoffs with me today. The CEO of Sorry Sports and SorrySports.com. Thank you for having me, my friend. Not a problem. Let's dive right in here. Let's start with the game last night, the storyline last night. The Golden State Warriors blow the biggest lead in playoff history, blow a 31-point lead to the L.A. Clippers. They lose Bookie Cousins in the process. He's probably done for the playoffs. Their first round He's got series. Got a torn, torn quad, right? Yeah, torn quad. I believe he is most likely done for the playoffs. So they right now their series is tied at one. We don't think they're going to have any issues getting by the Clippers eventually. But do you think they're vulnerable right now? I mean, last night just went to show. I think they were in shock last night um, after he went down. I think that had something to do with it. And obviously, I think they're going to beat the Clippers. I don't think they're going to lose another game in this series. But going forward, they're definitely vulnerable. I mean, you'll you'll hear towards the end of the pod that they weren't even my finals pick. It was a little bold for me to go with who I went with. But I think they're especially vulnerable, even with four All-Stars remaining. Yeah, it's pretty crazy thing about that, that they lose one All-Star. I still have four more on that team that can just step up and keep playing well. And it's basically the group that won last year, minus a couple of reserves. Oh, yeah, it's definitely crazy, but this is a different group this year. You saw the fight early on with Draymond, and I think that Boogie really gave him a big boost coming back, and he was the new guy that didn't have the ring yet that kind of had, not that they don't all have something to play for, but he was the one who wanted it the most, and I think losing him is really going to affect this squad. Feel like and he also brought a uh, different dynamic as well with the inside presence, his ability to pass. He could do it all on the floor as a big seven-foot big man, and who is their best big man now? Is it Andrew Bogut? Is it Looney? I mean, can you tell me? I also think that, like, I agree with you, your point, that he brings that guy who's like, he is not one for so he's hungry to get the ring, but and that's something you need for these teams to repeat. Say, bring the new guy in and say, oh, I want mine, but now he's gone. Now it's just they have to mow it themselves to be the best they can be and win another title. I mean, absolutely. And, I mean, if you if you tell me in a couple, in a, about a month and a half that the Warriors won the championship, I'm not going to be surprised. But I think it's it's going to be a difficult haul. And I think a big thing is playing Houston in the second round when I think Chris Paul is going to have the ability to go all out, stay healthy, 
They got their entire team back, and Harden is just playing at another level this year. Yeah, that matchup is going to be fun with Houston because, I mean, like, I'm, I'm last year they had a great conference finals. They could have beaten them if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt in the, at the end of that series. So the fact they get them around earlier and Chris Paul is healthier I think helps a lot. Yeah, I think last year they honestly, in my opinion, would have won had Chris Paul not gotten hurt. And then just by playing that terrible, terrible Cavs team for a finals team, with, which is, was being dragged by LeBron and a Kevin Love, I think that they easily would have won the finals last year as well. So having a healthy Chris Paul is going to be a different story. Before we move on to the Nets for a second, I want to touch on one thing. How weird is it that LeBron is not in the playoffs this year? It's it's very odd. I mean, come on. The guy's been in the playoffs since, what, 2006, I think? Uh, something like that? I mean, that's almost 15 years. That's crazy. It is. It's odd to see him not in here, but you know what? It'll give him time to rest up. I don't think the Lakers are going to win the finals anytime soon. I think, honestly... The only way LeBron wins the finals is if he requests a trade. But I mean, he'll get he'll get healthy. They'll get a they'll get a B grade star next year, and they'll be probably a four seed. Yeah, let's move on from the Lakers. They're not even in the playoffs. Let's waste our breath on them. Let's go to the Brooklyn Nets, who are the New York team in it, and they win Game One in Philly. Game Two did not go so well. The Sixers put up fifty one points in the third quarter yesterday and win Game Two, running away. So they're tied one one going back to Brooklyn this week. So what shot do you give the Nets to win the series? I give him about a 30% chance if we're going based off percentage. Um, I just think that Philly's got more talent, and every game that goes by, Embiid's getting healthier. He dominated last night, had a really good game, and he also got a chance to rest because, like you said, they were up a billion by the end of the game. Simmons looked really good in the second game. Jimmy Butler's a proven playoff guy. He's the one who can be their kind of uh, closer. And then you got Harris as a fourth scorer who's probably – you know, the second best, maybe the best player on the Brooklyn Nets when it's all said and done. And they didn't really get anything from anybody last night. D'Angelo Russell looked like a shell of himself from the first game, and they just couldn't do anything right. They were they were totally outplayed, and it just looked like a different team than in the first game. They came out motivated, and they were uh, outplaying and outcoaching the 76ers altogether. So I think this series goes six, if you ask me. I think Brooklyn gets one more game at home, and that's it. Yeah, I think I agree with you with the whole Joel Embiid thing because they've seen throughout the year that the Nets struggle with the really good big guys. Like, Ennis Cantor tore them up when he was on the Knicks. Joel Embiid's getting a ton of fits in the past. I feel like if he's healthy, they're not winning that series. Yeah, because that gives them the ability to neutralize the shot blocker inside in Jared Allen because he, he's, he's a lengthy guy, but he's skinny, he's not that strong, and he can't deal with the beast that Joel Embiid is. No, he cannot. Let's go on to the East, East number one seed, the Milwaukee Bucks, who... They destroyed the Pistons game one. I think it was 121-86. Everybody was scoring. Giannis is doing Giannis things, dunking near the free throw line at that game. And do you, who do you think is the biggest threat to the Bucks in the East? Because the Bucks are the best team, but I feel like they have that lack of experience in the playoffs that could hurt them. To be honest with you, after watching Kyle Lowry score zero points, I'm going to try and revise, revise my picks here on my own podcast. I think it's the Boston Celtics. I think if the Boston Celtics can get their stuff together, that they can that they can actually give the uh, the Milwaukee Bucks a series just with that depth, that talent, and that playoff kind of pedigree from the last few years. Yeah, and they have all the pieces necessary to win, and they have a guy who was won a title for in Kyrie, which I think is definitely a help. Yeah, no doubt about it. And like you said, they have all the pedigree, so. If they can get their stuff together, I mean, their first game was kind of ugly, but you know what? They got a 10-point win in Indiana. Indiana's going to grind you. They don't have any scores. They want a low, 
a low-scoring game. And, you know what, the Celtics were able to stick that one out and get a win. I wouldn't be surprised if they win in five in the first series, and I think they're their best bet to give the Milwaukee Bucks a run for their money. Yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, the Indiana series is probably going to be ugly as hell to watch because neither one of these teams is playing spectacular basketball. Do you think Indiana or Orlando have a chance to pull the upsets in that matchup? Because Indiana played the Celtics close game one. They won there. Orlando actually stole game one in Toronto, which is surprising for me. But, like, does either team have a chance to pull the upset here? No, I don't believe so at all. I think Indiana probably goes down in five. Maybe they get one win on their home court because those basketball fans are crazy over there. And then as for the, as for the Magic, I think they got their one win in the series. I mean, keep in mind it was only a three-point win with Kyle Lowry scoring zero points. So maybe if he scores one, maybe if he scores five points, I think they win that game, right? If my math's not, if my math's not deceiving me here. No, that's right. So I, I definitely think that the, um, that the Toronto Raptors aren't going to lose another game. I don't think Kawhi's going to let it happen. They have a really good uh, supporting cast. And if Kyle Lowry can just get his life together just a little bit, five points, maybe ten would be nice from an all-star point guard, I think that they have the ability to win every single game moving on forward. Yeah, and that's going to be a fun setup there in the second round. We'll come back to the Eastern, man. Let's go back out west. We talked about the Warriors side of the bracket. Let's go to the other side of the west bracket for a minute, starting with – try to figure out where I go here first. So let's go to the San Antonio-Denver series. The Nuggets in the playoffs the first time with this young team. I like watching them play because they're a lot of fun. They can shoot the ball like crazy. They don't have a true star. The Spurs have a ton of playoff experience and Greg Popovich on the sideline. Do you think the Spurs find a way to move on here, taking advantage of the youth in Denver, not having to know how to get through a playoff series? I'll tell you what. I, I could see it happening. I could see this series going six or seven and the Spurs coming out on top, honestly, just with the experience. I mean, they got some blue-chip players on both sides. Jokic is, was a top-four MVP candidate. He's probably going to be first-team All-NBA. And then on the other side, you got Aldridge and DeRozan, who have both been in the playoffs a lot throughout their long careers. So I think this one can go a while. And honestly, I picked the, uh, I picked the Den- Denver Nuggets to win, I think, in five or six games. Sean and my, uh, my partner had them going, the COO, obviously, had them going seven uh, with the Nuggets taking it. But after that first game, I think the Spurs can definitely handle this team. And I don't know if the Nuggets are ready for this. Yeah, I don't know if they are ready for it because, I, I mean, I feel like there would be a threat in a couple of years once you have guys like Gary Harris, like uh, Jamal Murray, and Jokic getting the playoff experience. But right now, I just I don't see it. I just feel like the Spurs just have all that wisdom on their sideline. Popovich is a wizard. The one NBA coaching wizard I think still left in this league. But I think they, I think they can move on here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you. I think the Spurs can easily steal this series and move on to round two. All right, let's go to the other series. I think is the more I think it's one of the most fascinating series in the round for the whole league is the Portland series with the Thunder because I feel like whenever I see these two teams, they are always disappointing in the playoffs. They win a ton of regular season games. They have these big name stars like Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, CJ McCollum, like, and then they crash and burn in the playoffs. They never get farther than like a round or two. I feel like I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like whoever wins this series. I think they have a great shot to get to the conference finals and get a shot at that Warriors-Rockets winner. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I actually, I actually picked the Oklahoma City Thunder to go to the conference finals to, to face, in my opinion, the Houston Rockets. But I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't even know if they're going to get out of the first round because Paul George, they were saying after the game, he couldn't uh, lift, his, lift his arm above his shoulder. And that doesn't really help out with his shot. 
And if you watch in that first game, all of his jumpers were short. So clearly he's struggling. Clearly he's injured. And you know what happens when Westbrook tries to take things on on his own. It doesn't really work out too well. Yeah, I feel like that's why Durant left, too, because he got annoyed when Westbrook was trying to be the one-man show. Yeah, I mean, Westbrook and him had a weird dynamic just because it was like, here you go, now you go. It wasn't really a team thing. They didn't really play well together unless it was really clicking. And Durant wanted to play a little more team basketball, which they do really well out there in Golden State. But ever since he left, I mean, they had Westbrook. He's averaged a triple-double ever since he left, and it's kind of been his show. And Paul George a little more passive, likes that. But when Paul George isn't healthy, they're not. Paul George was a top three MVP candidate when he was healthy this year. He was playing out of his mind. When this, when he's not healthy, this team's not going to make it past the first round. Yeah, let's. That's going to be interesting to track with them right there. Let's go to our seventh point here. Let's do some predictions before we get back to the brackets here. Let's do some regular season awards here. So, MVP Giannis or James Harden, in your opinion? I have Giannis. Um, Giannis, just because of the story as well as the fact that he's averaging Shaq prime numbers as well as the fact that he's going to be the defensive player of the year. And basketball, as much as, much as we don't believe it, it's a two-way sport. you got to play both sides of the ball. And he was by far the most valuable player to his team. I mean, you can argue that obviously Harden's team would have been a lottery team, but I don't think the Bucks win anywhere near 60 games without Giannis Antetokounmpo. Okay, so Giannis the MVP. Does that make Mike Budenholzer coach of the year? Yes, in my opinion, Mike Boonholder is Coach of the Year. Sean agreed with me. Sean actually had Harden winning MVP. If you want to listen to his argument, you can go listen to our recent podcast on, uh, sorry to interrupt, um, from this past Saturday. But we both have Coach Bud winning by far. And then we have um, Steve Clifford um, and the Nets head coach, uh, Scotty Ken- Atkinson, and a few others. Kenny Atkinson, I'm sorry. Um, and Doc Rivers kind of mashed into the next next group. Yeah, I think it's a solid pick there. Boonholzer did a great job with that team because they, especially, I mean, he turned Brooke Lopez into a three-point shooter, which is something I never thought I would see. Oh, yeah, the Lakers could have used Brooke Lopez instead of JaVale McGee this year, I bet you. The Lakers could use a lot of things, and that's a whole other uh, podcast. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so Rookie of the Year, who you got? I have um, I have Luka Doncic. Me and Sean both agreed upon that. Trey Young had a nice little stretch there as well as Bagley. Trey Young started off terribly at the beginning of the year, and Marvin Bagley got hurt. Luka Doncic did it all year. Yeah, I feel like that was. I feel like that's the easiest one on the board to call as Luka as the uh, defense, as the rookie of the year because I feel like he just took his game to a whole another level this year. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and let's go back to the brackets now. Wrap up the predictions here. So, who do you have in the conference finals, and who ends up winning the whole thing? So I have the Oklahoma City Thunder facing off with the Houston Rockets and the Houston Rockets moving on in six in the NBA Finals. And then on the other side, I have the Milwaukee Bucks facing the Toronto Raptors. That's what I had on wax, so I'm going to keep it that way. Um, And moving on to the NBA Finals. And then my ultimate NBA champion is the Houston Rockets. I'm saying that Mike D'Antoni, Chris Paul, James Harden, they all get the monkey off their back this year and they get that, that ring. Yeah, that would be that would be nice to see for Harden because I mean, like the guy, the guy is one of the best players in the league not to have a title yet. So it'd be nice to got if he got one of his own. Yeah, absolutely. And then I have uh, Sean actually had the Toronto Raptors facing off with the Golden State Warriors and the Golden State Warriors finishing off this dynasty with another ring. Yeah, well, that might be the end of the dynasty because from all accounts, it sounds like Kevin Durant's coming coming to New York after this year. I hope so. Supposedly, it's ninety nine percent wrapped up according to uh, most experts. 
people that listen to our pod know I'm a big-time Knicks fan, and they suck. So I'm hoping for Zion, and I'm hoping for Kevin Durant. Maybe Kyrie. I don't know. Would you be mad if they took the pick for Zion, if they win the lottery, and traded for Anthony Davis? Yes, I would. Yeah, I agree there. I would absolutely be mad. I agree there. I think you need to have Zion Williamson here for the long term because I feel like... If they get anything aside from the number one overall pick, I want them to trade it for Anthony Davis. Trade whatever you need to. Trade Knox. Trade Trier. Trade everybody. I don't care. But if you get Zion, you keep Zion. Yeah, I think with them, I think that's. I think you keep Zion because I feel like he's going to be a generational player in this league. You don't let those guys go for 26-year-old Anthony Davis. No, not at all. Okay, before we go, I know you are a big St. John's guy. We talked about that the last time you were on the podcast. This coaching search, man, I have no idea what they're doing here because I feel like I saw a tweet from Adam Zagoria the other day who said, who spoke to another D1 coach. He said, they have taken what should have been a slam dunk hire, which I own as Tim Clewis was the perfect fit for this job, and they turned into a complete S-you-know-what show. What's going oh, yeah, on there? Absolutely. I know we don't curse on this podcast. I know that's not a thing, <laughs> but I really want to because this is terrible. Yeah. I, you should have gone down. You should have gone over to New Rochelle and gotten that guy. Period. I mean, point blank, period. Pay him double what he's getting paid there. Come on. This is St. John's. This is, should be the best team in the Big East every year. We should be right up there with Villanova. I mean, you have New York City, you have MSG, you have a great, like, you have a storied history in the program, and you play in the Big East. I don't get why they are they're having such a hard time taking care of this one job. And I get it. This Loyola Marymount guy, it's a cute story. He brought the team to back-to-back um, tournaments. He went to the Final Four last year. But what kind of recruiting routes does this guy have around the city? I mean, much less around the country. You're, re- you're recruiting three-star prospects at best. Yeah, and Tim Clewis has recruited in this area – He's gone to six NCAA tournaments, and he got an at-large out of the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, which is almost impossible. So, I mean, this guy should should have been the coach, especially considering he played St. John's for three years. The rumors I've heard is that it sounds like Louis Carnesecca has still has way too much influence on that program, and that he's the one, his faction is the one squashing the Clueless stuff. Oh, that's interesting. Why would he do that? Apparently there's a beef because apparently Clueless transferred out that's the rumor that's been going around. That he transferred out after his junior year, and Louis was not thrilled about that. And apparently, Louis held against him ever since. That also oh my might, god! That might expl- the guys, no offense. I mean, he's the greatest coach and one of the greatest coaches in basketball and uh, college basketball history. And I know he's the greatest coach to ever walk St. John's campus. But the guy's like ninety years old. Let's relax here. Let's make the good decision. Come on. Yeah, in terms of pure basketball decision. I think that's the easiest hire in the world to hire Tim Clueless, but I feel like they think they want to, they should get a, be able to get a bigger name. And poor Nozer's the big shiny guy would say, look, he took Loyola Chicago to the Final Four out of the Missouri Valley. Look what he can do at St. John's. Whereas you have a guy who's won, I think poor Moser's record is only like 20 or 500 in his career. Tim Clueless is 199 and 108 at Iona. I'll tell you what. If you're going to go for the big shiny name, and I've been calling for his name on my own podcast, and I won't be happy until they get him, I want Rick Pitino. I, I get that. I mean, listen, you know I love cheaters. I don't care. Just I don't care if you cheat. I just want to win. Give him <laughs> the private jet. Give him whatever he asks for. Just I, I just want to win. Well said, Tom. Thanks for all the time. Really appreciate it. Before we let you go, you want everybody know, you want to let everybody know how I follow you on social media and what you guys are up to on the Sorry Interrupt podcast. Absolutely. So our website is sorrysports.com. Michael will actually be having a hockey article going up soon because 
Sean and I are not really hockey guys, so we'll we'll let you take the reins on that one. Um, and if anybody else wants to write an article, we'll edit it for you. We'll let you know if it's going to go up. Sorry Sports at Yahoo.com. Our Twitter is at Sorry Sports, and our Instagram is Sorry underscore Sports. And then finally, of course, our podcast is the Sorry to Interrupt Podcast. Yeah, how many episodes do you guys put out a week? Uh, we're at one right now. Sometimes we'll throw up a random one, whether it's pop culture or if something wild happens or if we have to do an NBA playoff preview during football season. We always do a Monday and a Wednesday, but expect at least one a week. You guys have any Avengers coverage planned? Um, no, we do not. We just did, a, I don't know if you listened, but we did, a, we did a Game of Thrones ending to our last podcast. It's called Thrones Porn. I don't know if you can say that on here, but... <laughs> But that's the name we went with, so we talked about Game of Thrones for about two seconds. Sean and I both don't watch, but we went over it. Yeah, I'll leave you guys do Game of Thrones. We'll, we'll take care of Avengers on this podcast. Tom, thanks for all the time. Really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Anytime. All right, that was Tom Pacino on the NBA playoffs. This week's seventh inning stretch. Up next, this week's two-minute drill. We'll talk about all about Tiger Woods' win at the Masters, what it means going forward right after this. Waited for years. Many doubted we'd ever see it. But here it is. The return to glory. All right, and we are back at this week's two-minute drill. That call you has heard from Jim Nance of CBS Sports after Tiger Woods putts for the win at the Masters on Sunday. You know, it takes a lot for me to talk about golf two weeks in a row. I have never been able to get into golf. I do not really follow it because we, years back, I actually worked on the U.S. Opens. I worked the one at Beth Page in 2009. And watching it live, man, was I bored. I just couldn't understand people like get into this and just so obsessed with it because I'm like, it's just boring watching them just play the holes because watching it live, I think, is one of the worst sports experiences possible because you're either stuck at one hole watching everyone come through or you're walking the entire course with one golfer hoping to watch them play their entire round. On TV, it gets a little better, but the interesting thing here, Tiger Woods is back. He has a grand slam now. He has this latest major. He has the Masters. He won that for the first time in 14 years. And wins a major for the first time in 11 years since he had an epic win at the U.S. Open 2008, days before going under, undergoing knee surgery. It's clear what kind of impact Tiger Woods has on this sport. Social media exploded yesterday when Tiger Woods won. Tiger Woods brought the crowd into it. The crowd, you can hear at the end of that clip, was just chanting, Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. Even at 43 years old, no one has more cachet with the casuals, with the sports public, than Tiger Woods. It's incredible to think that he's actually here because this is a guy whose career went off the rails completely because of the car accident, the cheating, the rehab, the back surgeries, everything stacked against him. And you figure, okay, he's done. A lot of credit, he actually got back on the tour and was playing well. And, let, and over the last couple of years, and slowly creeping on the leaderboards. But he had not won a tournament since 2013. It's been a long time since Tiger's irrelevant. And he came back 
in glorious fashion on Sunday. Wore the trademark red down the stretch at the Masters, and ironically, he had never won the Masters before when trailing entering Sunday. He had always had at least a share of the lead entering it. So his comeback was a truly great performance from him. I texted our guy Dan Martini, who was on here last week about him, and he had a lot of praise for Tiger Woods. One thing I want to give him credit for, he pointed out, is that Tiger Woods, throughout this tournament, did not have the one big blow-up hole like the one at the players when he blew up on the island green. Here, he was consistent, his putting was very good, and he won the tournament at 43 years old. And now we again can start wondering, can he catch Jack Nicholas? Can he get to 18 uh, majors? That's, up in the, that's still a possibility now. And I know we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but if you look at the calendar and where some of these majors upcoming are, he has a great chance to keep the run going. The PGA Championship, as Dan mentioned last week, has been moved up to May. Next month is at Bethpage Black on Long Island. Tiger Woods has played very well there. He won the U.S. Open there in 2002. 2009, finished 6th, played very well there. That tournament was also marred by weather because that rained for days at the end of that tournament and changed the complete field of greens. The U.S. Open, next one after that. That's at Pebble Beach. Tiger Woods won the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach in 2000 by 15 strokes. I get that's almost 20 years ago at this point, but it's a course he's always played very well at. Are we expecting Tiger to win both of those? No. Expecting him to win another one of those? Maybe. I don't see why not. It's fantastic for golf because Tiger still drives the needle. People tune in for Tiger. And there are a lot of great golfers in there now. You have Rory McIlroy. You have Jason Day, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson. All great players, but none of them have the it factor that Tiger does. And if Tiger is back, and Tiger is still competing for majors in another five years, this will be very good for the game of golf because they will have their drawing card back and be able to bring people into the sport again. It's going to be a lot of fun. And you know what? You might even get me involved again. I might be checking out on some of these majors and seeing how Tiger does. I don't real, I'm don't i not really invested in a Rory McIlroy or a Dustin Johnson or a Brooks Kepka, but I know who Tiger is. I know what Tiger is about. That might get me in. And that's fantastic for anybody who's invested in the sport of golf. If you're getting the guys like me interested, it's a good sign for the sport's future. All right, and that's going to do it for this week's show. I want to thank my guest, Pete Considori, for stopping by in the studio today to talk about the NHL playoffs, break down what's happened so far, offer a little preview of what's to come in the next couple of weeks. Also, I want to thank Tom Bikino from the Sorry to Interrupt podcast for coming back on the show to talk about the NBA playoffs. Nice to get both playoffs covered in one thing. We will be checking back in on the playoffs as they go on and stuff happens during, throughout the next couple of weeks. If you want more good stuff like this podcast, including a look at why hockey in New York may be going through a renaissance period, check out the blog over at justandthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Go ahead, look for Just and the Suffering at any of those platforms. Just search it. It's right there. You can go right there, find all the old episodes, listen to all of them, come back in, and feel free to subscribe. Also, leave your feedback and your star ratings. Also, make It'll help make this show even better going forward. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And tweet at me with hashtag playoff bracket to 
let me know how you think the NBA playoffs or the NHL playoffs will go. I'll happily take a look at all of those if you want to send them my way. Next week, we're going to start getting ready for the NFL draft. That's coming up right around the corner. Joe D'Aloisio will be back in the studio with me. We're going to break down the big headlines entering the draft, some stuff to keep an eye on for the Giants, the Jets, league-wide. Also going to be joined by the baseball beat. We haven't heard from them a little bit. We're about a month into the season right now. We're going through all this stuff. We'll check in on the Mets, on the Yankees, some of the national stuff. We'll touch on all that with those guys. Also hit the NFL schedule. Maybe if the St. John's thing resolves, I'll hit that too. Until then, I hope you have a better week than Tampa Bay Lightning fans. Yeah.